Hey, welcome everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. My name is Brent Kuhlman. I'm here with Adam Oline. Adam, you know, one of the things I've learned is that I don't take vacation, but you guys always do. You're always gone. Yeah. Well, if it isn't Moline, it's Poppy. The, uh, the old saying's true. You know, as pastors, we only work one hour a week, so. <laughs> well. If we have to. You know, you break down my salary by the, t- by the minutes that I preach. Well, that's pretty good salary. <laughs> it's like NBA kind of kind of money. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Little do people realize. Yeah, one, one hour a week, you work way too much. I work about maybe 10, 12 minutes a week by preaching that long, you see. Well, you know, I like to uh, add drama to my sermons, <laughs> unlike you, so. <laughs> Uh, we've been doing, uh, over the past year, we've been just looking at things from the small catechism. We're going to move into a different part of the small catechism today and spend a number of weeks on that, and that's baptism. The small catechism is just a genius thing. And by the way, at the Lutheran Reformation, the, uh, the catechism wasn't something uh, innovative. Catechism had been in the church for a long, long, long time. Uh, three chief parts in particular, the uh, commandments, the creed, and the Lord's Prayer. Luther, of course, he put those six chief parts in the certain order that we have for, for a certain reason. It's a theological reason. One is the proper distinction between the law and the gospel. But uh, fourth part is, is baptism. And uh, it's interesting that the small catechism, Adam, asked the question, what is it? This is part of the genius of the small catechism. Was ist das? What is it? What is it? And uh, the, the answer, of course, is biblical. And this is why the, the small catechism faithfully is used, because it confesses what the scriptures teach. Just do a, do, a, do a survey, folks, sometime and read through the six chief parts of the small catechism. Not the synodical questions and answers, but just the, the proper, right. uh, catechism proper, first 40-some pages. You'll notice it's all, it's all Bible. Yeah. All Bible. It's incredible. Uh, so just keep in mind, and the reason for that is it properly confesses the truth of the scriptures. That's why we use the catechism. So this is genius. What is it? And you'll notice that the question that the small catechism does ask is, what is a sacrament? It doesn't ask that question. It just says, what is baptism? Right. Isn't, isn't that interesting? It, it is, and I think that's getting right down to the, the meat instead of uh, trying to uh, you know philosophize it or explain all these other things. Those are important, of course, and theology is not simple um, and uh, and just plain Jane sort of things. But uh, to get down to the very basics of what you need to know, that's what the catechism is doing here. And doing it in such a way, even the word catechism itself comes from that Greek root that talks about echoing back and forth what you're learning, and that's the way education used to take place. And so if you can make it really simple so that anybody can echo it back, uh, that's really the key here, and that's what the catechism is doing. Yeah, so what is baptism? Well, the catechism says it. It's just water. With God's word. Right. It's real simple. It's not hard at all. <clears throat> Water. Well, how much? Well, Jesus doesn't say. So baptism is included and combined with God's word, with the water. And uh, I love this because, uh, as I said before, I'm not against talking about what's a sacrament, what isn't a sacrament. But the catechism doesn't get into that at all. It doesn't get sidetracked. It's gonna g- Missouri Synod Lutherans get sidetracked all the time in <laughs> arguing about sacraments. Have you noticed this? Yes. Yeah, we get that. That I'm not against defining a sacrament, but the the catechism again goes right to the meat. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word. So, in order to have a baptism, you got to have two things: the word of God and water. And I said before, I'm going to say it again: How much Jesus doesn't say? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, or how is it applied, yeah, Pastor Kuhlman? Right. Jesus doesn't say. 
Now, of course, no doubt Jesus was probably immersed, and maybe John the Baptist was doing that when he was baptizing, but that's not mandated that it has to be done that way. Right, and and I there's those who say the word baptize does mean immerse, and yet at the same time we have that same word used in our Greek New Testaments talking about washing couches and plates and things like that, where I don't know about how you wash a couch, but you know usually get some water and just rub it with a rag rather than take the whole couch out and put it in the lake. Uh, and so we do have the word used in ways that's not immersion, uh, and we have the opportunity then you know, I think of infants that are in the hospital that need to be baptized um, with just a few drops of water from an eyedropper rather than taking the baby out and shoving it under the water when well, it's in a hospital need. Right. Now, have you noticed when, when Christians talk about baptism and they're divided on it, it's usually the issue of how much water and what gets lost. The most important thing in baptism, it's the Word, the word. of God. Have you noticed that? I have. Yeah. yeah, and so that's why I wanted to talk about that just briefly. So, again, the catechism asked the question, what is it? What's baptism? Well, it's not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and included or combined with God's word. And then the catechism immediately goes to the next question, well, what word of God is that? And it the catechism takes us to Matthew 28, verse 19. My confirmation verse. Is it? Yes. How about that? So why don't you tell us what it is? What's Matthew twenty eight nineteen? <laughs> yeah, um, therefore, when you have gone, make disciples of all nations by means of baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus mandates that uh, disciples are to be made from all nations. Correct. And it's done by two ways, teaching and baptizing. Now, I flipped them, but the first is you baptize and teach. Um so you baptize and teach, and you, te- you teach everything that he's commanded. But let's just focus on the—go ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's important, and we're not there, but what has he commanded? Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. So we have both the, the, uh, the sacraments here uh, in that regard. We have baptism, of course, and we have the Lord's Supper, the thing that he commanded you to do. So Right, everything that I've commanded you. You're, that's Correct. what you're getting on. Yeah, Correct. Yeah, same way, Office of the Keys, Matthew 16, Matthew 18, yes. John 20, etc. Luke 24, preach repentance unto the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, all that jazz. Good. Now, so Matthew 28, 19, you baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That is the mandate of our Lord Jesus Christ. So people are to be discipled and they are to be baptized in that way with water. Because to, to be baptized is to be baptized with water. That just goes with the verb. Right. Baptizo in the Greek. All right, so this is huge. I always ask people this question and I hope our listeners, I'm going to challenge them. I hope they're able to answer this question. Most pastors can't answer this question. They're, they're befuddled by this. They, they can't answer it. And here's the question. <laughs> According to Matthew 28, 19, just that verse alone. Did you hear what I just asked? That verse alone. Don't bring other verses into it. But according to Matthew 2019, what is the gift that, that the triune God gives us when you are baptized? I'd say that it's you're made a Christian disciple or brought to the faith, um, Discipleized or All right. made a disciple. That's correct, but that's a result of the gift given. Which okay, so then we'd say the word. And w- what what does the word say here in Matthew? It's the name, the name, of, name God. of the Father. It's the, the, name the, of the, Son, the name of the Father, the Son. That's the gift. Now I want to repeat this. Are you listening, everyone? Because you've read this text a billion times in your life. 
You've heard it that many times. And no one has ever asked you this specific question, so I'm going to ask it all again. According to Matthew 28, 19, what is the specific gift that the triune God gives you in baptism? And the answer is his divine, and I'm going to include another adjective, saving name. And I did that on purpose because, number one, you got to realize that in baptism, God actually gives you a gift. And I say that on purpose because it's true. It's not just a symbol. That's right. It's a, it's, a, it's a gift. God actually gives you something in baptism, and it is his divine and saving name. It's Matthew twenty eight nineteen. I hope you've got that under your belts. Now, what's the big deal about God's name? Well, I said it's divine and it's saving. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to reference some Bible passages for folks, and then I want to get to this talk about saving. Um, if you if you study the Old Testament, you will you will learn that God is always there with His name. Where His name is, He's there, and it isn't just some generic presence. He's actually there to bless His people, to be God for them, and to act as God for His people in the Old Testament. Okay, so Exodus three. Verses 14 to 15, remember that's uh, yep. when Moses at the yep. burning bush. I was just going to mention that. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, and Exodus 34, you have that as well. Deuteronomy 12, 2 Samuel 7, 1 Kings 8, uh, Psalm 74, 7, Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And Luke 24, 47, where the gospel is proclaimed in Jesus' name. Uh, That's huge. When it's done in his name, the Lord's there with his name doing it. Again, I want to repeat this. So Matthew 28, 19, people are to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what's the big deal? Well, where where God gives you his name, he's there. Right. And this is important, too. It's mentioned uh, at least two other places in the small catechism. We have, of course, the second commandment, uh, which... uh, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And we also have the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name. And both these things, I think, are really great in the way they connect to this and bring across what that name carries with it and all those things and how we act according to that name um, in our outward acts of faith and things. Yeah, and one of the greatest gifts in the Old Testament is that God gives his people his name. So back to Exodus 3, which you know so well, Moses asks, well, who shall I say sent me? And God gives them well, yeah. you tell him my name. Yeah. I am who I am. And it's the Old Testament name, Yahweh, the saving name of God, Yahweh. That's, yeah. that's, that's who sent you. Tell him that. <laughs> that that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, even the, the name itself in that regard, uh, I am that I am, he's the God that created everything, and the reason that everything exists and moves and has its being is to serve him, and that name carries that across. Picking up on what you said earlier, and then we'll, we'll go to a break, is you, you mentioned the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name, and then the second commandment, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. We're to use it properly in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. And so one of the greatest gifts that God gives is his name. He's there with his name to be God for you. And secondly, by giving you his name, he gives you access to himself. This is absolutely huge. So if, you, if God does not give you his name, and one of the ways that he gives it is in baptism, Matthew twenty eight nineteen, you now have access to God himself. 
as a believer in Christ. Yeah, it's it's amazing that just the same way that uh, you know my name, we can have a conversation. Whereas if uh, I didn't know you and saw you across the room, you know, I might avoid you until there's an introduction that's made. And I love the large catechism too, where Luther brings across that along with that name comes all the theology that he teaches in that name in the scriptures. And so we have now the bulk of Christian dogmatics brought across in that name as well. In fact, Luther says the greatest way that we uh, misuse God's name is applying it to false theology, uh, which I think is really a great way for us to teach that as well. Like if I said, well, you're saved by what you do, and I'm doing this in God's name as a preacher, that's a misuse. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I hear the music, so we're going to take a break. We've got a lot more meat on that bone, so hang on tight, folks. Welcome back to Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. I'm Brent Kuhlman. I'm here with Adam Moline. Holy baptism, holy because it's the Lord's, belongs to him. He gives it to us as gift. We know that from Matthew 28, 19, our Lord's mandate, an institution of holy baptism, where he says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And as we observed, Adam, the gift that is given in baptism according to Matthew twenty eight nineteen is what? The name. The divine and saving name. And I want to I move to this. I talked about the access before we took a break. That's huge. But here's another thing. I said divine and saving on purpose. So if you've got your Bibles, folks, go to Psalm 54. We, we, we're observing that in baptism, God gives you his name. Divine and saving name. Now, this should be a no-brainer for most Christians to make these connections. Okay, but let's make it explicit. Psalm 54, verse 1. O God, save me by your your name. Did you hear that, everyone? I'm going to read it again. Psalm 54, verse 1. O God, save me by your name. If you want to, you can compare Psalm 52, verse 9. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I wait for your name, for it is good. God's name is good because it saves. Is it worth pointing out here at this point that um, Jesus, that name, uh, means literally the Lord saves? Right, Matthew 1. We have that contained within this idea here that the name that is going to save us is, in fact, God in human flesh in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross. You're anticipating where I was headed. Oh, sorry exactly. about Exactly. No, no need to apologize. <laughs> this, is, this is good because we're making the connections here, the theological dots. We're picking right. up what the Bible throws down here. We're smelling what the Bible's cooking. I mean, so when Jesus says you baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this is not just some rote formula that just doesn't do anything. We are observing that when, when, when people follow our Lord's mandate and baptize in the triune name, God is actually giving you his divine and saving name. He gives you access to himself. So the Father gives you access to him. The Son, you're given access to, to Jesus. You're given access to the Holy Spirit. And when God gives you his name, 
He's there for you, to be God for you, and he gives you himself and everything that he has. So the Matthew one twenty one text, you will give him the name Jesus because he, Jesus, save. will save his people yep. from their sins. So when you're given the name of Jesus in holy baptism, guess what? You get everything that belongs to Jesus. Everything. Now, that's huge because the apostles know this, and that's why we're going to read this, probably not today, but later in another program. All these other passages about baptism in the New Testament, about what else it gives, but it all flows from the fact that you're given the divine and saving name. If you've got your Bibles, folks, go to Acts chapter 2, as if we didn't spend enough time there over the the last few weeks, but uh, Acts 2, verse 21. And here Peter, of course, is quoting Joel chapter 2. So Acts 2.21, Peter quoting Joel 2, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice the calling on the name. This is prayer, right? I'd say it's prayer. I'd say it's even uh, if you notice in our divine services, we begin and end with that name uh, being placed on everything that happens in between. It's uh, baptism, which is what we're talking about. It's uh, even more than that. As Christians, we get up in the morning, we make the sign of the cross and put that name upon us, and that's our baptismal life and identity that is uh, drowning our sinful nature. It carries all sorts of great things with it. I'm glad you raised that. So you're baptized in the triune name. And you said you come to the divine service, and the first thing is after like maybe a hymn that you sing is the pastor gets up and he says, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the baptismal name that was put on you. And so that reminds you that God is for you in your baptism. He's given you his divine and saving. It also reminds you that he's there. Remember I taught from the Bible that where God puts his name, he's there. Exodus chapter 20, verse 24 where God tells Moses, and this is in the immediate context of giving the Ten Commandments. God tells Moses to build an altar of earth and to make the sacrifices there, and then God makes this promise. He says, wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and I will bless you. But notice it's hooked with his name. I'm going to repeat that, folks. If you don't have these Bible passages memorized, well, shame on you. It's time to learn them. Exodus 20, verse 24 God tells Moses, wherever I cause my name to be honored, and that, that's, I say that cause my name because God, it's hiphil in the Hebrew. That's why it's translated wherever. God's doing the verb here. <laughs> I will come to you and bless you. That's all hooked with God giving his name. Come to you and bless you. So the divine service begins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Reminds us that we're baptized. But another thing too here, and this is why I'm glad you raised it. Come. We call that the invocation. That is to say, we are invoking God's divine and saving name that he gave us in holy baptism to do what he promises to do with his name, as I just mentioned in Exodus 20, to be with you, to come to you, and to bless us. And most people don't have a clue about that, but this is all hooked together, you see? 
Right, and I'd say even that uh, being with you and blessing you, he does it then when we begin in the name and we go right away into confession absolution. That's bringing us the gift of baptism and the benefits thereof. And then we have the service of the word where we hear God's word and the sermon, which brings us the uh, gift of that word. And then we go into the service of the sacrament where we receive Christ's body and blood. We have the service of the sacrament. And so we're receiving all the means of grace here on Sunday morning, which is why it's so important for us to be there and to participate in the life of the church and receive those gifts where God is bestowing his name and his gifts through his word. Right. I'm glad you said this. So folks, if you're, if you're following what Pastor Moline was teaching you here, is in the divine service, God is there serving you through his word and his name. All this is hooked together. Yep. And one of the ways that we're talking about now is baptism, where you're given the divine name. It saves. That was Joel 2 being quoted by Peter in Acts 2. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look at John chapter 20, everybody. Go take your Bibles, go to John's Gospel. And most of you have this passage memorized anyway. What am I doing again? Well, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, we are given the divine and saving name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit in baptism we, I'm teaching you that the gift given, the name, actually saves you. You got it there, Adam? You got John 20, verse 31? Yes, sir. Verse 31. <clears throat> but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Life in his name. He gives you that name in baptism. I hope you're picking Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Go to your Bibles again. Go to Acts chapter 4. And find verse 12. Acts 4, verse 12. You got that, Adam? And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Name of Jesus by which you are saved. And guess what? You're given Jesus' name in baptism. Go to Acts chapter 10 and look at verse 43. Acts 10 Verse 43, and Adam, when you find it, read it. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And that's Christ's name. Read it one more time. To him all the prophets bear witness. That's Christ. That everyone who believes in him. Christ. Receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's the name of Jesus, the Acts 4 name that we read earlier. So... (laughs) When you're baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, you you are given the name of Jesus, the Son, and that's a name that saves you. I hope this is very edifying for people because now you're beginning to learn that God doesn't exist for himself. He exists for you. He created you to redeem you and to sanctify you. And here you're learning how one of the ways that he does it. In his Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross in his resurrection, and now the benefits of that of Good Friday and resurrection are being given to you with the divine and saving name, namely salvation itself. Go to Romans 10, if you've got your Bibles still, <laughs> or your Bible app on your phone, and go to Romans 10. You got uh, verses 9 through 13, Adam? Yes, sir. All right. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. 
For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There you see? See the connection, everybody? Calling on the name of the Lord, and it's salvation. And he gives you that name. And by, when he gives you the name in baptism, then you can call upon that name, you see. And, and I think this Romans passage is really important, too, because the question is, well, how do I know that I'm being given the name? How do I know what his name is? How do I use his name? Well, that's great because he says here, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he talks about pastors as well. How beautiful are the feet who declare the good news, of course, being the office of Jesus, who is the one who declared the news first and now has sent, as we began with in Matthew, uh, sent pastors and apostles and preachers to preach that word so that you might receive the name and the gifts of God. One of the other things we're learning too here is that uh, salvation's a Achievement is done only by the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And now we're learning as we study baptism and what's given in baptism is that salvation's bestowal. <laughs> it's all the Lord's giving and work. It's not, not, not me. I'm simply given it. Right. Yeah. Even the faith by which I believe is a pure gift. It's a divine miracle. Through the word, faith comes by hearing. I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. One other passage to, to make this final point on the divine and saving name. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You got that, Adam? Verse 11? Verse 11? Yep. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Notice, washed, sanctified, and justified. Those three verbs all done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. How can... How can how can Paul say that? Because in baptism, where you were washed, you were given the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So are you saved? The answer is yes. How do you know that? Because Jesus died for me and rose for me. And secondly, I am baptized by which I've been given his divine and saving name. Well, when we come back uh, next week and we talk again more on baptism, stay Lutheran, my friends.